It is the height of folly not to be afraid of God when there's every reason to be afraid. So tell me, Sinclair, what are some of the defining theological moments in your life? Welcome to 1A, a ministry of First Presbyterian Church, episode 21. We resume our discussion of emotions this week and pick up on the topic of fear and especially the fear of God. I'm Josh Squires, the Minister of Counseling and Congregational Care here at First Pres. You're listening to a podcast designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. If this is your first time listening, we appreciate you checking us out. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. For more information, you can visit our webpage, which is firstprezcolumbia.org forward slash 1A. That's firstprezcolumbia.org forward slash 1A. To find out how to contact us or how to subscribe, listen to the end of the show. If you do find this ministry useful, then subscribe using the application of your choice, and every Monday a new episode will be waiting for you. While you're there, leave us some comments. As we increase the number of reviews and comments, it becomes easier for others to find our podcast. Should a believer ever be afraid of God? What do we mean when we talk about the fear of God? Why does the Bible talk so much about the fear of God? And what are the difference between a secure and insecure fear? We discuss all those questions in this week's episode, plus you get to hear what Dr. Sinclair Ferguson told Derek was the defining theological moment of his life. Now, let's get to this week's episode. Well, we're back. Last week, we took a little bit of a break from our normal spring series covering emotions to welcome in a special guest, H.B. Charles Jr. If you haven't listened to that episode, I'd really encourage you to go back and to listen to it. It was great to have H.B. here and to listen to all of our episodes, which you can find on our website. But Derek, we're picking back up on our spring series, and we are going to look at fear. We've looked at joy, uh, or love rather. We've looked at love. We've looked at anger and wrath. And now we're picking up with fear. And the Bible has a lot to say about fear. Uh, yes, it does. Um, and uh, perhaps one of the key texts might be Psalm 19 and verse 9. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The fear of the Lord is pure, hmm. enduring forever. Uh, you have... Jesus using fear in a certain way in in Matthew 10, uh, 28, when he gives that uh, admonition um, to fear God, uh, not to f- not to fear um, those who can only kill the body, but to fear God uh, who can destroy both soul and body in mm. hell. What what does that fear mean? Mm-hmm. You have um, prophecy of Isaiah, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah eleven, one of the Christmas prophecies, mm. uh, messianic prophecies, but often picked up. At, and it's one of the Handel's Messiah texts in Isaiah eleven three, where uh, the messianic shoot that comes from the stump of Jesse uh, is said to delight in the fear of the Lord. Mm. Uh, and then 
you have uh, the description of the early church in Acts. Um, one example would be Acts 9.31, uh, describing them as living in the fear of God. Hmm. You know, I, I have one of these moments, theological moments. I remember asking Sinclair Ferguson, and you and I both remember Sinclair Ferguson, mm. of course. Uh, but when he was the senior minister and I was, I was his lackey. <laughs> and, uh. Um, that sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> we had, and he had announced he was retiring. And this was about two or three weeks before he left. And, uh, it was a summer day. Uh, he left in July. So this probably the beginning of July. Mm. So you can imagine we'd gone to lunch mm. and we'd gone, um, just down, what is this street? Lady Street. Lady street yeah. And, you know, it's, it's probably 98 degrees and humid. <laughs> so we're walking very slowly and we're walking back from lunch. And I said mm. to him, so tell me, Sinclair, what are, what are some of the defining theological moments in your life? Mm. You know, those moments when you, you discover a doctrine or you read a book mm. and it, it's like a gestalt. Mm -hmm. uh, it changes your entire sort of perspective on on theology, on life, mm. on on the Christian life, especially. And he said, um, "You know, who wouldn't want to be there and listen to the answer?" Right. I was there because I I asked the question, and he said, "Oh, that's simple." <laughs> and he said, uh, "It was uh, John Murray's reading John Murray's." Uh, redemption accomplished oh. and applied and the chapter on obedience. Hmm. And then he has another article on the obedience of Christ and obedience as a category. Well, all that to say for me, hmm. less significant now than Sinclair Ferguson's hmm. answer. But for me, again, it was John Murray. Hmm. Uh, I was a student at seminary, uh, 19, 76, 77. Mm. Uh, and I'd uh, been assigned in the ethics class, John Murray's Principles of Conduct, mm. which is still, for me, uh, the, the most definitive book on ethics. It doesn't cover every aspect of ethics and mm. it doesn't cover uh, philosophical ethics. Mm. But it has a chapter in there on the fear of God. And it was a question that, I remember, and I still remember it. I, I think about it often. Is it ever right to be afraid of God? Hmm. You know, we distinguish the fear of God into two aspects. One, the fear of awe mm -hmm. and wonder that leads to praise and worship. Mm -hmm. And then the fear of being afraid, mm -hmm. like, like fear of ghosts or... Right. Fear that makes you want to go and run away and hide. Fear of snakes and spiders. Right. Yeah. I remember his answer. Hmm. Is it is it ever right to be afraid of God? And his answer, and I think I'm quoting him. For, uh, I'm doing it from memory, but I think I'm quoting him correctly when he said, "It is the height of folly not to be afraid of God when there's every reason to be afraid." So, if you're the person whom Jesus is addressing in Matthew chapter 10, yeah. don't fear him who can kill the body, but fear God who can destroy both body and soul mm. in hell. I, 
think fear there is not the fear of awe mm-hmm. so much, but the fear of being afraid. Yeah. Now, perhaps the question is, is it ever right for a Christian to mm. be afraid of God? Mm. I, I think we could arrive at a point at which we say unbelievers should be afraid of God. They should be afraid of hell. I saw this week um, Ronnie Reagan's advertisement on TV. Mm. Um, This is the late President Reagan's son, uh, who the whole world saw at the funeral of his mother, uh, that, that he once again confessed to being an atheist and um and and a fairly principled one mm-hmm. at that uh, and he had a an advertisement on tv about uh, separation of church and religion uh, state and religion mm-hmm. and so on and uh, he must be uh, involved in that in some way but at the end of the advertisement came this is Ronnie Reagan, who is not afraid to burn in hell. Wow. Uh, it was as bald as that. Uh, I, I took me, took the breath out of, out of me completely. I replayed it several times. Did I really hear him say that on TV? And yes, I did hear him say that. Wow. Which, of course, from his worldview yeah. makes perfect sense. If you, if you are an atheist, you don't believe in the supernatural. <laughs> And he had no place for the supernatural, said so at his mother's funeral. Uh, then from that worldview, uh, there is no heaven and no hell, and therefore there's no need to be afraid of burning in hell. Mm. Uh, but of course, he's a fool. Yes. In the biblical sense of the term. Mm. And, um, so it's one thing, it's one thing for us to arrive at a conclusion that says an unbeliever ought to be afraid right. of God. But is it ever right for a believer to be afraid of God? And, and Christians have generally answered that by saying, I mean, the, the sort of expectant answer is to say no. Right. Christians should never be afraid of God um, because God is our heavenly father. Uh, we ought to revere him. Mm-hmm. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Mm. Uh, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the it's the principle of wisdom that that you fear God, that you are in awe of God, that you reverence God. Part of our problem is that God is too small. Mm-hmm. But is it ever right for a Christian to be afraid of God? And that's why the the, the answer of John Murray, because he he really was talking about Christians at this point in yeah. in the art in the chapter, uh, and that's why it took me by surprise and and continues to take me by surprise today uh, that it is the height of folly not to be afraid of God when there's every reason to be afraid of God. Supposing Mm -hmm. you're a professing Christian, but you're not living like a Christian. Right. Supposing you're you're a Christian, but you, there is no evidence of repentance Mm -hmm. or mortification Mm -hmm. or the pursuance of the fruit of the spirit. Should you then be afraid of God? The sort of conditional clauses that you find in the New Testament, um, if we, if if we hold fast our profession to the end, mm. and so on, um, 
remember Lot, mm-hmm. or was it Lot's wife? Remember Lot's wife um, from uh, from Hebrews, uh, and so on. Um, so I thought it was a very nuanced question. You know, in the secular realm, they'll talk about fear and the the feeling of fear. So, again, the fear of spiders or the fear of snakes or whatever your fear might be. Not not the reverential afraid. So put that aside for a second. But this other fear, and they'll further divide it into two sections. They'll talk about secure fear and insecure fear. That a secure fear is a fear of something that you generally think is for you. So a child should have a fear of their parent. Should they do something wrong, there will be repercussions. And that fear is actually good. It helps to guide them. But they know that that those repercussions are generally for their own good and not capricious. Versus an insecure fear where you feel like something is out to get you. And so I wonder if that distinction is helpful when we talk about should the New Testament Christian be afraid of God? Could we have that secure fear of of God? Yeah, that's an interesting distinction. I'm, I'm not sure that I'm aware of it. Uh, a secure fear and an insecure fear. I, I, I do think that part of the reason why the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, wisdom literature has mm-hmm. a great deal to say about the fear of the Lord being the beginning of wisdom, wisdom and so on, yeah. is is in part suggesting that living in awe of God provides structure and stability mm. and enables you to be what God intends you to be. Mm. So I think I think the fear of God is is part of a bigger frame of understanding, a frame of discourse that includes obedience to God's law mm. as the pattern of wisdom. So I think in wisdom literature and um, there is a there is a, a connection. Talk to me about insecure fear. Yeah. So some places where this will come up is when you're talking about the difference in one authority and how two different people groups relate to that authority. So the majority or those in power here in America, that would be middle to upper class Caucasians, how they relate to say something like the police system. They see that is generally in their favor, keeping them secure. They know if they go out and they speed, they can get a ticket. If they break the law, if they steal or if they hurt somebody, it can actually be punitive against them. But in general, they view it as something that's a safeguard. Those who are lower class or in minority tend to look at those in authority more skeptically. And you can understand because there's a vulnerability there. And that's not just America. That's worldwide. So Caucasian Christians would feel this way if they were in the Middle East, that the authorities might be against them and they would have kind of a wary eye towards the authorities, uh, that they might be capricious or that they might blame them just because they're different. So uh, an insecure fear tends to look at some sort of authority figure, again, if that's a parent or if it's the police or the military, and think that there might be something underhanded, deceptive, 
I might get blamed for something I didn't do. I might get punished for something I didn't do just to pacify that authority. Well, that's interesting, you know, because Christians can have an insecure fear of God. They view God as as unreliable, mm-hmm. as testy, as unpredictable. And that may be because of a distorted view of God, or it may be because of an insecurity about their own standing mm. with God. Mm. That if, if, for example, your security is works-based, performance-based, there's always an inbuilt insecurity, therefore, about your relationship. He loves me, he loves me not. Mm-hmm. Depends what time of day it is. You know, have I done enough? I need to pray more. I need to read more for God to love me more. Yes. And so that would express then, in in your language, an insecure fear Mm -hmm. of God. And the cure of that, uh, the remedy for that is the gospel. The Mm -hmm. remedy for that is justification by faith alone, apart from the works of the law. Mm. Right? Right. Because then your security is in something that is unchangeable and eternal. Eternal from all of time and all of time forward. Well, that's interesting. That, you know, that, that is another example where uh, some of these more secular distinctions can actually help us understand. Mm. We need to be careful here, but, but help us understand better what what the Bible might mean right. by uh, the, f- the fear of God. Mm. For people who don't worship here, uh, they may not know, we do a confession in our, in our liturgy. We do a confession of sin every Sunday morning. And this past Sunday, as we were doing our confession, I was actually uh, stopped by this particular passage it's in Psalms 130. We used it. And it says that the forgive, that forgiveness leads to the fear of God. How is it that forgiveness leads to the fear of God? Well, I think that the connection is the, the sheer awesomeness of what forgiveness involves, that God would love us mm. while we were yet sinners, that he would send his only son mm. for the only remedy for our sin is satisfaction of law and substitution. Mm. And we cannot produce that society. Humanity needs a savior, but but humanity cannot produce that mm. savior. So mm. the savior has to be sent to us from outside of ourselves to become one with us mm. and th- that that is in itself i think productive of awe so now we're talking more about that first category of fear the reverent awe category of fear not the apprehension right. that we were talking about in that second category right the f- fear of of respect, the the fear that leads to worship, the fear that leads to trust, uh, the fear that leads to security. You know, one of the interesting things, the quote that you brought up in Isaiah 11, is that 
that the Savior would delight in the fear of the Lord. So you're really marrying what, what we would look at as two separate emotions, joy, delight, and fear. Uh, and then in Proverbs, it talks about the fear of the Lord being hatred of evil. Again, marrying two different emotions, fear and anger or hatred. So fear of the Lord is an incredibly complex experience as a Christian. Do we have a way of defining the fear of the Lord where someone could, if a non-believer came up to him and said, what do you mean when you talk about the fear of the Lord? Is there a simple definition that we could give them? Well, it is the beginning of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And that would be a biblical... Um, so fear is related to wisdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, living as God intends us to live which i think is what wisdom mm-hmm. implies mm. it is a, a recollection a calling to mind that he is god and we are creatures mm. which is the awe factor mm. god is bigger than greater than we we are mm. uh, and and all we all that we can ever imagine mm. him to be it is often a cultural analysis that is made that the contemporary church lacks the fear of God, mm. lacks that sense of awe. Mm. So emphasizing perhaps bringing God down to our levels, uh, emphasizing imminence more than transcendence. Jesus is my homeboy. Awful, yes. Um, I've... I've I've seen somebody wearing that T-shirt. T-shirt yeah. um, but it is, I think, part of the cultural analysis of the church that, that we want to stress imminence more than transcendence. So the image of God, say, in Isaiah 6, mm. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth is full of your glory. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Mm. So majesty, otherness, transcendence Mm. yeah the fear of god you've been listening to 1a a counseling ministry of first presbyterian church we encourage you to listen to all our episodes which you can find on our webpage at firstpreskolumbia.org forward slash 1a that's firstpreskolumbia.org forward slash 1a you can also check us out on all your favorite podcasting applications, such as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, then subscribe. Also, don't forget to tell your friends and family about us as well. If you have comments, questions, or issues you'd like us to wrestle with, contact us. You can reach us at our email address, which is 1A at firstpreskolumbia.org. That's 1A at firstpreskolumbia.org. Or via our Twitter account, which is at 1A Podcast. That's at 1A podcast or by phone 803-281-1795 803-281-1795 for dr thomas i'm josh squires we look forward to seeing you next week until then thanks for listening and god bless